When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. Hey folks, welcome back. So we are continuing our conversation about art made by people of faith and how that affects all kinds of different things and how it is lived out in different contexts by different people. And I, in particular, am very excited that we got to talk to a gentleman named Andy Ziff. He is a singer, songwriter, and an artist and a creator that I have admired for a long time now, more than 10 years now, actually. And really appreciate his approach to his craft and his kind of creative voice and how he ties that to his faith. It was just a wonderful conversation. I mean, seriously, I was so thrilled to get to talk to him, but also thrilled that you all get the benefit of him unpacking a little bit of what's in his head and what is behind the songs that he makes. He has a new album coming out on March the 11th, How to Make a Paper Airplane, and I'm uh, it, it's just wonderful. I've had the privilege of hearing it and uh, spending it many times now, and it's I heartily encourage you when you have a chance to take that album in. The first single, uh, Did You Know I Was a Ghost, is out already on streaming platforms or wherever you get your music. I encourage you to listen to that. But uh, enough promo. Let's get to the convo. Did you know I was a ghost, a feather in a flame? You struck the match and then you wrote my name. With the uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Andy, is that um, you, you guys lived kind of Virginia area for a long time. How, yeah, how has so, that been? <laughs> yeah, so I moved to the D.C. area in, I think it was probably right around 2000. Hmm. And I met my wife, Miriam. She grew up in right outside D.C. in Manassas, Virginia. Um, where if you're a Civil War buff, that's where the Battle of Bull Run, mm. uh, or actually, for some people will say the Battle of First Manassas. Uh, I think that's another another term. But we, the sign says Battle of Bull Run because the Union did in fact win. Just <laughs> as a reminder to everyone listening. <laughs> um, and. Um, uh, but she grew up there, and so yeah, she lived there her whole life, and I so I lived there, you know, about eighteen years, which is the, the I've I lived there the longest anywhere in, in my life because I've moved around quite a bit growing up. But we were right outside D.C. in different suburbs of D.C. and coming down here um, was necessary, you know. My son was two. We were in a one-bedroom apartment in McLean, Virginia, and it was a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hustle to take care of things, you know. And um, my friend Chuck called me. I'd met him in 2010 because he planted an Anglican church that my wife and I started to attend there after not going to church for, you know, almost a decade. So we met Chuck and his wife, Melissa, in 2010 at Church of the Ascension in Arlington, Virginia. And at that point, Miriam and I had been married for seven years. I think that's right. Yep. And fast forward to 2018, Chuck had come to Florida, Jacksonville, and he became the pastor of a Presbyterian church here and asked, um, did I know anyone 
that would be interested in coming to be their director of music. So I listed everyone I knew that might be interested. <laughs> and then at the very end of the conversation, he said, what about you? So Father's Day weekend of 2018, we visited and, um, you know, the timing was something that I paid attention to. So it was something that I felt that we needed to do. And then two years later, COVID happened. And if we had been in mm -hmm. DC and I had been doing the same hustle, it would have been, we would have been in a bad way. <laughs> yes. You know? It's almost and like there's a God. Could be, yeah. could be. And um, now I, the language I, I like to use is, um, yeah, I, I do feel like we were, that God did give us the opportunity to come. That was, that was clear to me. And now, you know, four years later, I have this album that I finished. Had I not come here, we wouldn't have experienced many of the things that I'm talking about on this record. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. Maybe it would in, in a different form, perhaps. But, um, you know, and my dad, you know, may have still, probably would have still died, even though we... Uh, this isn't Doctor Strange's uh, you know multiverse, you know. <laughs> True. So it's not really. I don't know. Well, part of part of human existence is uh, wrestling with the what ifs, I mm -hmm. think. And uh, I, I don't know about you two, but I I spend probably more time I should in that headspace and uh, the what might yeah. be's and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. Um, have you seen that Marvel series? What if? Uh, I know what it is, but I've not watched it. It's good, man. It's really good. Um, <laughs> the main thing I've seen from it is the uh, the Thanos vision. Oh <laughs> yeah, joke mm -hmm. where he uh -huh. just zaps him. It's like, well, there there goes two movies. Yep, yep. <laughs> like three billion dollars mm -hmm. worth of revenue. Just zip. <laughs> yep. If they thought to do that, I listened to the. I guess maybe it was the intro to your second season mm -hmm. yesterday sure and you know you and i have had a couple conversations on the phone about this i feel like it just one conversation that has just continued yes you know? yeah that's but i've been way. having this conversation my whole life you know yeah um, mm -hmm. as a creative person of faith wanting to tell stories well and not really finding a place to do that within the church. Um, but now I find myself as the director of music and artist in residence at a church. And, you know, that is my work. That's creative work, but I don't reserve that uh, or confuse it with my creative outlet. So I want to um, circle back to kind of the more like present space that you're occupying. But one, mm -hmm. one of the things that super interests me when talking to folks who create and particularly people of faith who create is the moment or moments when one that you, you had an experience that kind of alerted you to, um, to creativity in whatever form it was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we, Ryan and I have talked both on the podcast and off about the moments where art really came alive for us, wh mm -hmm. whether it was a movie or a concert experience, or you hear an album yeah. and it just blow, whatever it is, it blows your mind. And you're like, right. I, I didn't know that was out there. Mm -hmm. And then 
how that transitioned to from, wow, this is great. This is my thing to, I think I want to have a go at that. So Mm -hmm. can you rewind a bit for us and are are there moments, is there a moment or moments where you you remember that kind of happening for you? Yeah, there's, there's several moments that I can think of and experiences. Um, So my mom taught piano and voice in, in our house houses growing up. And I learned melody and harmony from her. Hmm. And she loved, she was uh, singing in a, a choir in college, you know, and is classically trained and pretty near like perfect pitch. You know, I play chords. <laughs> I think that's a D. Sure enough. So she also loved folk music. And my dad loved the Beach Boys and any song with a story. Hmm. Yeah. So like... um Johnny Horton. Yeah. Yes. And I know who Johnny Horton is. took a little trip. <laughs> you know, that. Fired our that, guns and the British kept That's exactly, exactly right. <laughs> so my dad loved songs like that. Yeah. 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 And also, but I mean, he was, he also loved folk, folk singers that, that did that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also really fond of like the Steelers wheels song stuck in the middle with you. And mm-hmm. so both of my parents really appreciated you know, and this is of course subjective, but what what I feel is good art. Yeah. And um, my older brother, uh, he's two years older than I am. When I was in middle school, I would say, started to to become aware of um, some bands like the Seventy Sevens, the Choir. Mm, yeah. Um, but at the same time, the Ocean Blue. Um, and, and actually we lived in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the time and the ocean blues from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So their album Cerulean and then, oh my gosh, what is that? Rhythm and the sound. I think the other one that came out around that time, but, um, so I was just like, oh, oh, they, they're doing this for their, this is what they do. Yeah. They're touring (laughs) musicians. You know, that was really fascinating to me and exciting. And I thought, well, I don't know, maybe maybe I could do that, but I still had a long way to go just to learn my instrument. I had, I'd played some piano. My mom taught me piano and then I picked up her classical guitar and then just hung out with people that knew more about it than I did. And then my one summer, this is right after we moved to New Jersey. That's where I went to high school in Northern New Jersey. My brother that summer went back to Hershey and worked for Hershey park and so I guess it's probably like 89 or 90, probably 89 because Octane Baby, U2's Octane Baby was coming out. Hmm. And, you know, of course, like all over MTV, my brother Pete got word that U2 was coming to Hershey Park Arena to rehearse. Okay. So we went to the parking lot <laughs> and sat outside awesome. the parking lot and listened to U2 rehearse Octane Baby. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, how, that's I first heard the Edge's guitar parts for that album out of context. I didn't know what, I thought Damn. he was checking, he's just checking his guitar, but I heard like the envelope filter on Mysterious Ways and the, what is that effect? You know, because I was already aware of like, you know, I had a little like Boss distortion pedal and, mm-hmm. you know, turned all the way up and of course and um you know like a cheap delay pedal you know some like no name brand but um 
you know, listening to him check and check his tones. And uh, there were so many people that gathered there that they ended up playing a show. <laughs> really? Wow. And the tickets wow. were like really cheap. I mean, because my brother paid for both of us. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he got a discount because he worked for the park. I don't remember, but my parents just let us go. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know, in seventh grade or something like that. I can't remember. Eighth grade. I hate going you into so eighth much grade right now. And, um, <laughs> That's amazing. And, um, and, you know, Pete was getting ready to be, a, I think, a freshman in high school. I think that's, I think I've got that right. So it blew, it blew my, I could not comprehend mm. what was happening. Oh, yeah, man. And just with the, you know, I mean, because on that tour, they had the cars on, on, uh, on cranes and mm-hmm. he would call up like George Bush, you know, senior and, you know, on the, on the big, huge TVs. And I mean, the production value was, was incredible, but I mean, also just the, I learned to, you know, I pretty much learned to play guitar listening to like the Joshua tree yeah. and, and kind of the other bands that I Nice. <laughs> my uh, my former boss's wife found this at a flea market and got it for me. But uh... that's a very nice mug for the listeners. That is a mug Taylor is holding, um, so we can create some theater of the mind. There's Bono's profile, the edge, looking as ominous and mysterious as ever. Larry Millen Jr. with that exquisite jawline. Yes. The, and the uh, Adam Clayton being ominous and reverberant yes. in the low end regions. And in the back. he is wearing his glasses in the middle of the desert, because why wouldn't he be? Yes. He the dragonfly, I was wondering about your eyes. I just read that if you count, it's 24,000. Bitch, you can see. And then I guess later on, talking about moments, and just sort of like rambling here, but... um. I have a question about that last yeah, moment, ahead, if ahead. I may. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I was talking to Ryan about before you logged on was that... um. You have, for a long time, sought to make your live experiences more interactive and mm. more m- sort of multimedia enhanced, mm-hmm. if I can put it that way. It's, yeah. it's almost more like an art installation, but not pretentious. Mm. <laughs> mm. And so there was one show you did. I wasn't there, but I remember seeing the video of it where mm-hmm. you put um, an audio file on SoundCloud, which is a uh, right. uh, like a music sharing site or file sharing right. site. And you had everybody take their phones out and go to this right. web page and push play simultaneously. Right. And it created like a synth pad sound, and then you right. played the song. So right. um, seeing you two figuring all that stuff out and adding that to more than just, oh, there's some guys playing guitar up there. Is is that part of where that started? Did that kind of let you know this is possible? Hmm. Yeah, I, I probably it began with experiences like that, the seeds of ideas um, like the SoundCloud, that's called the Ziff organ, by the way. <laughs> that's great. I still will pull it out occasionally at, at, a, at a house show or, or somewhere I haven't played. I might actually do that tonight in Orlando. Um, depending, it takes a minute to set it up, but mm-hmm. um, now usually everybody in the audience has a mobile device, you know, mm-hmm. that can pull that up pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. I think it was maybe 2007 or eight. I did the friends on film tour where I, my friend Pete and I who played like keys and drums dressed all in white. We looked like a couple of house painters. Um, <laughs> and um, 
then our, our friend Brad Wolf, who's an incredible uh, artist, graphic designer, video. I mean, he does kind of does it all visually. Every night he would create a video feedback loop combined with other images that he would overlay on top of them. And then he would project that onto us. And we would, we also had a, either a white wall or a white screen behind us um, doing that. And that's doing things that are interesting visually. I mean, that's just something inspiring to me Yeah, that hopefully can draw in the folks in the audience as well. And that's just a, another level to create. I've always been attracted to that. It's one of the reasons why I created five videos for this record. I, I, out of necessity, needed to learn some videography for my work at the church because, you know, overnight everybody had to do that because they had, you know, we had a live stream and right or pre, you know, produce, you know, videos for, for the, for the congregation. So I basically got pretty good at using Photoshop and illustrator and, uh, you know, premiere and now animate and, so I've used all of that to create these videos for the, for the album. And I definitely want to do more of that. It's like creating, even though they are, you know, I can't reach out and, and adjust your really uh, nice SM seven. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking, I'm, there's a two dimensional image. Do I have that right? Of, yeah. of you, but behind you, that's a physical space. And so creating worlds like that for these songs is exciting to me. It's therapeutic. It's the little tinkering with the little pieces, all really time consuming, cutting out. I mean, I've got a bag of the two songs that I cut out every single letter of every single lyric of two songs. It's very time consuming, but it is also, um, I never built model planes, but it's almost like the same process yeah and and i'm just realizing now i don't know if i've ever said it out loud but it's it's the way i look at one word in the in the lyric of the second verse of a song no i need this this needs to be the the word the needs to be taken out hmm. yeah or actually mm -hmm. or needs to be added or instead of saying like i just wrote a song it's not on the new album but about um suburban lawn care and instead of saying a quiet street i decided no no it needs to be a dogleg street because yeah. specificity matters. The details matter. Yeah. It's the same way I approach everything that I make. I mean, cause what else do we have, but our own voice and story. Yeah. And I think for, especially in the age that we're in, when so much stuff is, is not real. If we're honest, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like these, online relationships and things and stuff that we spend so much time on are not, that's not where real life happens. It can help to connect and enhance real life perhaps, but mm -hmm. that's not what the real deal is. Yeah. And, um, man, I'm gonna have to go drink a cup of coffee and think <laughs> for a while. Uh, Ryan, you want to jump in while I'm thinking here? <laughs> yeah, no, I just, <clears throat> a lot of what you're saying kind of resonates with me. It makes you not only feel apart, mm. Of, of what you're doing. It makes others kind of come into mm -hmm. that, but um, even just to slow down, mm -hmm. I mean, even little things you say, one of your songs kind of <laughs> alluded to mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. like just, just take a break, you know, breathe. And, and yeah, 
uh, think about what's going on instead of all the craziness that's that's an illusion. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. You you got it. So yeah, I think you were referencing the line in God coughed and woke me up. Yeah. It's uh, I, it's sometimes hard for me to remember the lyrics. I'm not if I'm not singing. Uh, he, you're doing all right. He said to tell you the control is illusion. It's wrecking your head. Take a breath. Be still. Look at that crazy bug over there. Yeah. 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 Well, and even just that, like how it's playful, you know, look at that crazy bug mm-hmm. over there, but just the impact when you hear that, it's like, man, we're worrying about so much. Mm-hmm. That's that is illusion. That isn't necessarily real. Uh-huh. And there's this stuff that God created that we're missing out on. Yes. And experiencing things through my son's eyes now after being a father. I mean, I started writing songs to this record when my son was two. Mm-hmm. So I was still in that. And and I hope I still have some of that um, feeling of discovering a reservoir of emotions that was previously unknown to me. And hopefully I still feel like my empathy has for other human beings has um, been deepened and widened but yeah when i first started writing these songs my son was two and so that was very present on my mind and just experiencing the world through his eyes is you know in his little hands and now they're little boy hands you know and uh just so many things you know you collect these images of your your child doing things that are curious to them or exciting or hurt them, you know, and, and how Mm -hmm. much that will hurt you. And so how do we speak to these moments in a way that, you know, is honest and, you know, from, and this is the, going back to kind of my, I don't know, uh, the struggle uh, to find a place as a creative person in the church, you know, how do you, because there are there are not there are more voices in this, but there are two. The two prominent ones are you can only do it this way, and it will only glorify God if you're only singing about God all day, all the time. God. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then there's the other voice that is outside the church. The only way to, to you can't you can't do both. And I would say I probably lived in that second voice most of my life, and now I'm realizing that, and I'm living it that my work is you know at a church and i do creative work there but i from past experience what is worship and what is performance being very confusing i do not use that as my creative outlet i i do creative work and it it needs to be it needs to function for a group of people for a collective expression you know whatever that is if it's a video or if it's a a hymn but what i'm doing tonight in orlando is I'll be singing the songs from this record and probably some other ones. And that is specific to my life and the people around me and the world that I am trying to process. And, you know, that can be holy too. Can it? Early morning, I was out running And I heard the constellations Whisper something ancient one of the things that I have long appreciated about the work that you do, and, and not just the work that you do, but kind of the sense of who you are as a person that comes through that, 
if I can back up a little bit, in our mm-hmm. first interview of the series was with Josh Porter, and he played in a band called Showbread for many mm-hmm. years. Uh, <laughs> very different to the music that you make for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, one of the things we told him was that uh, some some of the music is not even necessarily my thing. I just appreciate the creative voice that he has and his perspective mm-hmm. as an artist. And I'm there as much for, for that as anything else. And there's this... A thread that runs through your work is the holiness of the mundane or the holiness Mm. of the ordinary and that how a lot of what you spend your time doing is very, quote, ordinary. Mm -hmm. You know, you're uh, we were talking on the phone earlier this week about you mentioned, well, I was on morning duty (laughs) with Mm -hmm. with my son. And that, you know, I I relate to that because I have I have the same thing with my daughter morning and evening. I, you know, get up and take her to school and uh, all that kind of stuff and pick her up and. And, uh, you know, maybe what God is interested in, not maybe, but Mm -hmm. definitely we see from the scriptures that there so much of your life is not lived in church. So much of your Mm -hmm. life is not lived with a worship song on your lips. It's figuring out how you're going to provide and it's, you know, cleaning up poop and walking the dog and all that. And I, and God is just as interested in being glorified and present in those moments as he is Mm -hmm. on Sunday morning. And Mm -hmm. so to encounter somebody who so very clearly gets that and lives it, it it's it's uh, it helps you feel less isolated. You used that word mm. in conversation the yeah. other day, and it lets you know that like, well, it's it's less about performance and more just being. No matter mm-hmm. where you are and what you're doing, and having right. art that helps us express that and gets us gets that out. You know, in a uh, mm-hmm. like, I my background is in speech. That's what I studied in in okay. college, and we talk about. Um, the way ideas form and like rhetorical artifacts and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And that it's, it's a, it's a, it's a vocabulary art is, it mm-hmm. allows you to give voice to things that you can't express. Mm-hmm. And so having people like you who are writing songs or making videos about those things, we have trouble expressing mm-hmm. to the people around mm-hmm. us, especially in church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been very, life-giving to me at times there's another album that i heartily recommend from somebody i hope we get to interview um mm. uh gable price gable price and friends is the name of the band I'll they put out, out. Uh, you, you you should <laughs> they put out an album called fractioned heart in 2020 and there are several songs on on there that i i really clung to in a very difficult period of my mm. life and in very difficult moments and you know could God have used other stuff? He can do what he wants to, but mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. songs were there and I was really glad. You're talking about encountering art that helps you articulate, maybe not so much with words, but to it helps you even visualize and experience the world in this way where, um, you know, we, if we are indeed, you know, created, by God in his image, and we bear that image, you know, we can take that, hopefully we can take that with us into whatever vocation we are pursuing or just our, in into the mundane too, mm-hmm. you know. I've experienced a lot of that kind of art through, definitely through some Im- impactful albums but also film. And I think the way the, a, just a well-told story matched with a beautiful soundtrack or sound design really 
And th those kinds of things have left such impression on me since I was a, a, a kid. I sh my wife had never seen E.T. <laughs> right when we were like early when we were married and was like, this is we this is impossible we, where we have to <laughs> immediately we need to go for like find so the, it, there was this um there's a neighborhood in uh um dc arlington um uh, Boston, and in Boston they were showing et in this like park it was a weird location because the park is like it's really just like a concrete jungle with some pretty decent like shrubberies but they had they were playing et and i was like we're going to this we're going to see et and, you know, afterwards I asked her, cause I, I mean, I remember riding my bike and, and like singing the theme song over and over <laughs> in my head. And when I was yeah. in second grade, just, you know, and, and also really the end of that song, I'll, or the movie, I'll still tear up, you know, when he's, he's going home, Yeah, there's something yeah. about that. And, you know, there, a lot of people can, you know, talk about Steven Spielberg and, you know, so over heavy handed, you know, and John Williams, like so melodramatic of a, of a friend who's that's his perspective. <laughs> that's not an accurate uh, um, impression of his voice, but um, that can be, you know, these things can, we can find that holiness and that, that beauty in, in moments like that too. And what I have done, what I have tried to do with this album, how to make a paper airplane. I mean, these, these are, I, I will not perform this in churches. Yeah. I will not. It is not my intention, nor is it ever to perform in churches, especially where <laughs> within a worship context, I will never do that again. But to tell these stories about real moments of my life, my dad dying, my family spending a week with him saying goodbye, experience a kind of, a kind of death in, in myself in realizing that what I have been trying to do since I was 18 is probably not going to happen. And so to shift and, and accept, but then on the other side of that, now that the album is finally done and the inside world can be let out into the outside is the, um, is it's not the end of something. It's actually not the death of something. It's the beginning of something. And I feel drawn to sharing these songs with people in in clubs and in houses and you know and then you know on Sunday morning when I'm singing a hymn at a tempo people can follow in a key people can sing that's a that's a different thing but I'm yeah. using a creative skill to do mm -hmm. that too those and those are separate things to me it's important for me and keeps me mentally stable honestly yeah. to to separate those two things i don't know if i was answering a question there or what <laughs> but i just talked a lot about something no that's that's good I, i'm i'm kind of interested you know you've mentioned a couple of times even leaving um your time away from the church mm -hmm. and that there was about a decade and mm -hmm. and now kind of distinguishing the difference in in how you use art in each context mm -hmm. i mean was art a lot of the reason you feel like you kind of had that that period there or yeah, so right out of high school, I um, my my older brother went to to a, a small school, and uh, we got a scholarship because our dad was a pastor at the time, so it was a Christian school. And uh, I found out that I also would get a scholarship if I played music for the school. So that's really what I did for like a, the first year and the only year. 
of college that I experienced because I really did not enjoy that environment. But I met some very, some of my very best friends during that time. And if I had not gone there and started playing with the other band, the basis of that school band was also in like an original music band. And uh, like just before, I want to say 98, we got a record deal with a subsidiary of Goatee Records. And that was kind of the the rise of that whole modern worship thing. And um, yeah. it just got to be really confusing for me. You know, I, I, I think um, just that and not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. the reason why is, you know, we, here's one day that I was probably like the nail in the coffin for me was uh, we were playing this massive event somewhere in the Southwest. And I can't remember some of these things I've just like completely blocked out, but um, <laughs> the speaker for this thing, I mean, this is like at a football stadium or whatever, yeah. you know, they had like large sports ball events at this thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, this dude is like, and my cynicism is showing here, so I'm fully aware of it, but so I'm going to try to temper that, but this just seemed strange because he's, all the, we got all the lights you know on the stage on everything's blacked out it's like some really mediocre version of that u2 show that i um <laughs> yeah. mentioned to you and this guy who's not a musician is like walking out on the catwalk and he's you know we're his we're his backing band but he's like singing the lead on this like really popular you know worship song i called my my miriam and i were not married i called her i was like i'm done with this i will not do this again i'm done and shortly after that, uh, the lead singer of the band decided, you know, he wanted to be a dad and not travel. And, you know, everybody parted ways. And that's when I started recording demos for my first record, I Stole the Morning Sun. And that was 2002. And I stopped playing music at church then, completely mm-hmm. stopped, because I did not want to be in a situation like that again. And I will not ever. But uh, 10 years later, I made that statement. 10 years later, thereabouts, I met Chuck, who planted the Anglican Church, and I was introduced to uh, the rhythms of a liturgical setting. And that was more, there's a place for music. It's not a three-hour, you know, jam session or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, it's just, this is just my some people are, are, that is, that's their passion. So I don't, I, I don't mean to um, speak, speak ill of that at all. I'm just telling you what would happen to me. Here's a song about God. He told me one time when I was trying to sleep, he called and woke me up out of a dream. About a year after attending that Anglican church where everything seemed like it was very purposeful. Hmm. This is the purpose of this, why we are singing this hymn, because this underlines what the pastor is speaking about. And we are singing the doxology here because, you know, it's just, it appealed to me because there was no place for performance to enter into the situation. Now we Mm -hmm. tune our guitars and we want to sing in, on, you know, in, in key, but we're not 
you know, we don't got all the lights blacked out and, you know, I don't get my foot up on the monitor and ripping a guitar. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I think there's a distinction between putting on a show and performing with excellence. Right. If that makes um, sense. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying people can't, you know, it's not w- what I am trying to do, but I know that there are a lot of really talented folks that, that make music, you know, yeah, and, for that genre. And that's cool. I don't, I don't think that's what you're saying. You, you, you were talking about like, we still tune our guitars and want to sing in key. And it's like, we, mm-hmm. we want it to be good because anything worth doing is worth mm-hmm. doing well, but right. we're not doing it well as a, Hey, everybody look at this thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to enhance, the, yeah. like you, you use the word purpose there. And I think something mm-hmm. that bothers me in most contexts I'm in is how many things that we do without purpose. There's not a why behind them. I started noticing this in church as a teenager, and it has gone with me into every context of my life that I mm-hmm. find myself in. But the that's that's really what I want to know. Do we know why we're doing what we're doing? And the answer mm-hmm. a lot of the time is no, either because mm-hmm. we didn't know we needed to be asking why we're doing what we're mm-hmm. doing. We're just doing something or we know good and well why we're doing what we're doing. And we don't want scrutiny. We don't want mm-hmm. to uncover, you know, we don't want to turn those rocks over. I think uh, I was thinking about this earlier that art like the art that you make, I think sometimes is unwelcome in the church because of its prophetic critique. Mm. And that is not a phrase I came up with. I heard somebody else mm. say that, but like who, who wants to be held accountable by art? Who wants to, really contemplate their own shortcomings and the the grace that is needed to cover that. Mm. And I think that's part of why songs like that sometimes don't fly is that that's Mm. the, the reason people are there is not that the why is different. Mm. The purpose is different and Mm -hmm. that that's where some of the tension comes from. Yeah. I, um, I have felt that and, and I just, um, it's probably why I decided that I, you know, for a long time, I can't do what I do in church, but I, you know, I'm able to keep the lights on in this house because Mm I, you know, am doing creative work at a church. It's just, it's not, it has a different purpose than the songs that I've written for this record. And it's just, it's, it's two different things and they are drawing from the same well, but I just, I will not, I will not confuse the two. I will not blend the two. I remember uh, a conversation you and I had. This was years ago now, probably 10 years or more. Uh-oh. You were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this stuck with me because of something you said more recently. Um, we were, you were looking at booking a tour at the time that was yeah. going to be routed through our area potentially. Mm-hmm. And I was working at a church at the time. And I asked yeah. if, if you were interested in, mm-hmm. in potentially performing there. And mm-hmm. And you said, I might consider it as long as I can be myself. Mm. And that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me all the more that when you made your announcement of your of your move and your what is now your quote day job, mm-hmm. that was one of the things you included. I'm being asked to be myself. Mm. And so I can't help but think knowing some of the struggles that you just described because you you know you you haven't um you haven't been belligerent about it, but you haven't hidden it either over the years. Um, and that we're having this conversation because I think a lot of people have had similar experiences and trying mm-hmm. to make sense of these things. And so 
uh, I thought, man, what I really saw the kindness of God in that, mm. that he through through your friend, the pastor of the church that mm-hmm. where you're on staff now was able to provide you with here. Here's an outlet that will check these boxes. But also, mm-hmm. I know you I care for you deeply and I'm not going to ask you to not be yourself. I'm not going to mm-hmm. ask you to play a game you mm-hmm. don't want to play. So I, I I imagine that while it's difficult at times, I'm sure there's a freedom in that that is that makes it worth it. Yeah, I some days when I am well, I am able to accept that and 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 I am able to have contentedness and to feel grateful. And for such a long time, I believe that success looked a certain way. And if it wasn't achieved in that very specific way, then you failed, you know, and I still struggle with that. But I am very grateful to be able to provide for my family and to be able to pursue being an artist, you know, um, and I feel like I was able to pull together a lot of experiences in my life to make this record, to say some things I've been trying to say since the beginning. Sometimes I think of it like, you know, this, these songs, you know, I'm not going to play these on Sunday morning, but I would talk about these things if I had a beer with anybody from church. Sure. They, this, these things would come up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. now, some people may not be interested in that kind of vulnerability, but I'm if I'm with a trusted friend, that's the kind of stuff we talk about. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Ryan, Ryan and I, you know, I, I want to hear your your take on this, but like when we, the first song on this new album, "How to Make a Paper mm-hmm. Airplane," that you've mm-hmm. made, it is very much about um, like. <laughs> These interactions we have with mm. people, and we 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 read these scripts to each other, basically, right. right? And there and nothing of substance necessarily comes of it. But like now, and for a long time, this started when I was eighteen or nineteen. You find that well, I don't really want to spend my time having those kind of conversations. Uh, I'd rather spend my time talking about the things that actually matter, mm. even if it's with people I don't know that well. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather how how can we get to that stuff? Is what I'm always thinking. Even if you're in the grocery store, like asking "Hi, how you doing?" is different than like. So, so for example, if if I'm out somewhere, I'll, I'll say, "Hey, how's work going for you today?" Uh-huh. And it's not so intrusive that they think it's weird, but it right. prompts a real human response because sometimes mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, "You know, actually, it's going well." Or, "Oh, geez, <laughs> it's, it's not going so great." But um, like when Ryan and I talk, most of the time it's it's this kind of stuff. You have anything you want to mm-hmm. add to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, and I'll try not to word vomit because there's so much in my head right now about all this, but the church has to be an environment where it will allow real mm-hmm. art because for so long in our personal lives and in the church, we've created this atmosphere where it is like, I'm going to ask you how you are, but tell me you're fine and keep walking, mm-hmm. you know, or sing this song and don't really think mm-hmm. about it or do this and because we've done it. And to take time and to invest is is hard, Yeah, but... I mean, you're not going to understand people or the level they're trying to communicate with you if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, get past get past ourselves in many mm-hmm. ways. But even just the the normal trying to get through the day and day day to day. Just as you were saying that to invest is hard. Um, I I um, I mean, 
listen, man, you try to talk about like word vomit. I, I think that's kind of my MO. So, <laughs> um, we live pretty close to St. Augustine and my son likes the fort. I mean, I mean, come on. I love, I love the fort too. It's, yes. it's freaking cool. So, um, but we were walking down the street, we were with some friends and there was a guy on a, in a wheelchair and I met his eyes, you know, and I, I think I just kind of, I was with my son and my wife and my friend, how you doing? You know, just kind of like, I, how you doing real quick? And he said, yeah, I'm doing brother, you know, and it, it, there's a split second there where I thought I could say one more sentence to this guy and and we'll probably be here for a minute Mm -hmm. and like i'm ashamed to say that i thought well that's inconvenient to me right now so that's not what happened i just kind of smiled at him and nodded and we kept walking but what when you said that to invest is inconvenient this is something my dad was not bothered by his to be inconvenienced Hmm. this is something that he did to people throughout my life, I would see this happen all the time with anybody, you know, and that is the kind of example I want to set for my son. You know, my dad wasn't perfect by any stretch, but um, I did see a lot of moments where he did love people that way, whether they knew they were being loved or not, you know, Um, and sometimes he was taken advantage of, you know, his kindness was taken advantage of. But that's what I thought about when you said it's hard to invest because it is and it's uncomfortable and it's, you know, mostly just easier to kind of say, everything is fine. I'm okay. How are you? Everything is fine. I'm okay. How are you? Oh, you know, I can't complain. I'm all right. Better Midland. It was a good morning. super well because you could say the same things about art made by people of faith mm. and specifically this album that is is coming out in the next few weeks um mm-hmm. march tw- march 11th there we go yeah single comes out uh next friday next right? friday one week yeah. from now yeah february 25th so you didn't have to do what you did you didn't have to be as honest as you were you didn't mm. have to work as hard for as long as you have, mm. but it shows that you did all those things. Mm. And mm. I think, again, not not to cast uh, a judgmental eye over anything that somebody else has made. It just, I, I think, well, it's like this soup that my wife is making today, <laughs> you know, like it has a history and it has a pedigree yeah. and a story yeah. and you can't just whip it up. Right. In the microwave in 10 minutes, it has certain mm-hmm. ingredients that have to be made and mixed and mm-hmm. added in a certain way at a certain time. And as a result, it's an heirloom. This mm-hmm. this soup is of our family yeah. and more than one family, like generational kind of thing. And I, I, I would compare what you've done here to something like that. And then like mm. this is um, this firstborn of the flock kind of mm. thing. 
you mm-hmm. know, and and I think that shows in in everything that you've done. I won't nerd out too hard because I, I love audio mm-hmm. production and mixing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I think this is the best sounding album that you've made, and I've listened to all of them many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. The I think this is the best your voice has ever sounded, like the warmth mm-hmm. and the intimacy of the instruments. Like the mm-hmm. it's it's a complete package of care, I guess I would mm-hmm. say. And I didn't bring you on here just to gush at you either, but uh, the reality <laughs> is that. Um, as we, as you just described, we all have moments where we feel like, you know, I could have done that differently or I should have done that differently. Mm. I think if I may, as somebody who doesn't know you well, mm-hmm. this album is not one of those <laughs> for you. Mm. Uh, I think you did the thing you set out to do. And um, it it came along at a time in my life where I could relate so strongly to so many mm. of the things that you're talking about. And that's holy, mm. you know, like that's a holy thing. Thank you for that. And, you know, it, um, I was completely uh, laid bare in a couple of these these songs, and that was, you know, when I when I sang some of these things into the borrowed Neumann U87s uh, that I got <laughs> for a few months. Um, within the first, you know, nine months or so that we lived here, I did about a song uh, a song a month, you know, so end of 2018 into 2019 the my plan was i'm just going to document what's happening to me in in my head and 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 outside of my head right now yeah and um some things i'm realizing have you know i've been thinking about and and feeling for a really long time um but just didn't really have the the tools to articulate them well with my voice, with my words, with my instrument yet. Yeah. And I'd only set out to record what I could do well. So I'm a halfway decent Mm -hmm. pianist enough to like accompany myself, you know, nothing fancy. The bridge to, you know, that first song that took me a while to write because I had a really specific idea in my mind but it's like on the guitar i could play it with my eyes shut but on the piano i'm because you know it's not it was my first instrument but i'm not as competent as a pianist i really had to work hard on that you know yeah i really worked hard on it and i got it you know it wasn't the first take (laughs) by any by any means um so when I finished tracking all these th- all these songs, except for this, you won't need your glasses anymore, which I wrote in 2020 after my dad died. That was the last song I wrote for the record. I only recorded what I could do well, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. This is it. This is just going to be me and my guitars, maybe some piano. I'm not going to adorn this with any other. There are no. There's no electric guitar. The only amplified things on this album now are. If you count the little circuitry in the automaton, <laughs> which you know what that is, that's like a little, uh, like it's a little like Japanese, looks like a, a musical note, but you, yeah, it's like a little, almost like a theremin, but, but not. And then um, probably just, you know, Jennifer Condos's electric bass and then Tyler Chester's, you know, Mellotron and, and, um, the organ but everything else is completely acoustic so i i did all this on my own i sent it to my friend matt who i recorded with for matt williams i recorded with a, a bunch over the years 
thought that was going to be it. You know, as I was really just hoping he'd like mix it and that, and I'd put it out and that was going to be it. And he asked me, what do you, what do you want to do with this? Like, what's your plan? And I was like, I already, this, I already told you, this is the plan. Like, this is the plan. <laughs> this is, this is it. And he said, I have an idea. I want to, I want to send these songs to some, some people I've worked with, with before. And that is um, the reason why the album sounds the way it does, because I'm not the engineer that Matt is at all. Okay. So I did record my parts, but Matt took what I recorded. I did have the advantage of using these Norman U87s, uh, <laughs> Marvel of German engineering, but you know, some of, some of it, I did not, you, I did not place them correctly. <laughs> and some of the, some of like the piano on Did you know I was a ghost was a complete afterthought. They were like way off, like six feet from the piano, <laughs> but I didn't have the time to readjust because I needed to get home. Cause I'm like, I need, I had, couldn't skip out on bath time one right. more time. <laughs> yeah. You no. Know? Yeah, so yeah. I just was like, I re- hit record loop and I played along with it. And when I got home, I was like, Oh, I'm going to keep that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, but I sent all this to Matt and he sent it to, to Jay and Jen and fast forward to 2019 that summer, you know, he was in Los Angeles and um, he's like, you should come and meet Jay and Jen. I met them at Largo. Jay played with Joe Henry, which is a whole other, that's talk about a, a recent pivotal mind blowing thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't know Joe Henry's work, well, you probably have heard, a lot of records he's produced, but he's just, a, he's a master at what he does. I met them, Jay and Jen, and they were so kind and unpretentious, you know, and um, welcoming. So we, they said they wanted to, to play on the record. And then it was a matter of figuring out how to do it. And man, COVID almost completely derailed the whole thing, but somehow uh, we did it. And, you know, Dennis Crouch and Tyler Chester later on. Um, but Matt is the reason why the record sounds so good. I mean, I had something to do with it, you know, uh, being that I did a couple things. But um, and Jay and Jen, so Jay Bellarose, Jennifer Condos, Dennis Crouch, Tyler Chester, Matt Williams took what I made and cast the room, which ended up being a a not a physical one, but the, he cast the room and they remotely somehow it's like tracking with remote viewing or something, just transported <laughs> themselves into my space. I don't know how they did it, but it doesn't sound like we recorded separately. No, not at all. But that's a testament known. to their, their ears and their mind and their skills. You know, they took something that I was really proud of already and completely elevated it. And I didn't have anything to do with that. They just, they <laughs> did their part, you yeah. know? So I'm, I agree with you that I feel that it's the best thing I've ever done. I've, I've been trying to make this record since I started. And my hope is that it will be the beginning of many more. It's a, it's a, I'm probably in denial or stubborn or whatever, but I, I, I believe that I can, do this work and provide for my family. And I don't know what, how, what that's going to look like a year from now, two years from now, but this, what we're talking about, this album, this is the kind of thing that I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. 
and I and I would even because I think some of your the people that follow and subscribe to this podcast who understand the statement that I feel like I am called to do that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't like to use that language a lot, but I think I, it's important for me to be, say that statement because that is, I feel that deeply in my core. One of the things that we talked about in the intro to this, uh, to this kind of season too, is that the first mention, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, the first mention of God putting the Holy Spirit in somebody mm. is in Exodus 31, I think. And it's a gentleman named Bezalel. There's name your kid Bezalel. But <laughs> Betsy. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> but specifically, it said uh, that God put the Spirit on him for the working in metal and stone and the creating of beautiful things mm. for the tabernacle. There's no way that, that that's an accident. Mm. So that there are. Yeah some people that like God thought enough of it to have whomever write it down so that we would read it however much longer later. And that really stuck with me. That's important. And so I I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, I feel the move and the leading of the Lord in this direction. Mm. And, you know, he has given me skills to work in these mediums. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we have to be aware of, we have a purpose, Mm -hmm as followers of Christ and um, he's going to give us passions that, that feed that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I think it should be a natural outpouring Mm -hmm. and a calling that we feel. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity to talk, just to have this conversation. I kind of wish we could just all have hung out in the same space, you know? (laughs) Um, And uh, this is this uh, space that we're in. I mean, this is, what I'm trying to make music for to gather around this type of these ideas, this conversation. And it's what I've been trying to do since, like I said, I started out. And I, so I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about these songs and I, I want to thank you for listening and just the kind words, you know? Um, and I hope whoever is listening, um, you know, if you're, a creative person that you would continue to work on that unfinished whether it's a painting or it's a song whatever it is keep working on that and it's important it's important work and if you're just an advocate for for art I, I hope that you will ask yourself the difficult questions and push through and be vulnerable to allow these kinds of conversations to continue And that is a wrap on this conversation, or on this chapter of it, might be a better way to put it. Thank you so much to Andy for giving us time and sharing your perspective with us. Um, It was really a great conversation for me to get to participate in, being such a fan of what he's done. All of the music that you heard on this episode is from his upcoming album, How to Make a Paper Airplane. Again, it's out March 11th, and... The first single, which you're hearing now, Did You Know I Was a Ghost, is already available. And uh, I've listened to that thing a whole lot over the past few weeks, and it's, it's just gorgeous. Highly encourage you to dive into that. If you want to keep up with other things that Andy's doing, he's on Patreon and uh, social media outlets, and his music is on all the major music retailers. His website is thecowardsquire.com if you want to find all his stuff. 
in one place. But uh, as he said, this is not the end. This is the beginning of a new chapter for him. And I'm, for one, I'm looking forward to where it goes. And as far as for us, we have a couple more conversations in this series lined up as of now, and we may keep going on this, on these kinds of topics. We'd love to hear feedback if you like what we're doing now or have suggestions for different things that we could talk about or people that we could conversate with. We'd love to hear them. We are on social media at Unbetween Podcast. And also, if you want to send us an email, it's unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so very much for listening. Oh